is Earth Files, the award-winning news site with the latest updates in science, environment, and real X-Files. Podcasting in-depth reports beyond the 6 o'clock news by Emmy Award-winning journalist Linda Moulton Howe. The January 5th, 2010 issue of Scientific American headlined an article about a, quote, supernova star too close for comfort to Earth, close quote. The subject was a binary white dwarf named T. Pixidus. The T denotes a scale of brightness, and T. Pixidus is rapidly rotating around a companion star at about a thousand parsecs from our solar system and Earth. A thousand parsecs is equal to 3,260 light years. Scientific American reports, quote, Astronomers have identified a ticking time bomb in space that lies perilously close to the Earth. The star, called T. Pixidus, looks set to explode as a supernova with a force of 20 billion, billion, billion megatons of TNT. But it lies less than 3,260 light-years away in our own galaxy, close enough in cosmic terms for a blast to have a possibly devastating impact on our planet, close quote. The lead author, Edward M. Sion, Ph.D. and Professor of Astronomy and Astrophysics at Villanova University in Radnor, Pennsylvania, presented his research on January 5, 2010, at the recent American Astronomical Society meeting in Washington, D.C. The last summary slide in Dr. Sion's PowerPoint presentation stated, quote, The white dwarf in T. Pixidus is increasing in mass, soon to reach the Chandrasekhar limit of 1.4 solar masses. The distance to T. Pixidus is closer than 1,000 parsecs. With that closer distance, the ejected nova shells imaged by the Hubble Space Telescope contain smaller masses appropriate to the envelope mass of a white dwarf whose total mass is close to the Chandrasekhar limit. That means a Type 1a supernova exploding within 1,000 parsecs of Earth will greatly affect our planet, close quote. But even if that white dwarf, T. Pixidus, blew to smithereens today in what is known as a Type 1a supernova, Earth scientists would not know for 3,260 years because the gamma-ray radiation travels at the speed of light and T. Pixidus is about 3,260 light-years from Earth. But all of this is important because our solar system is in the Milky Way galaxy, filled with potential supernovae and even much bigger gamma-ray bursts from much larger dying star deaths. Could we be hit by a blast of gamma rays large enough to knock out our ozone layer? If that happened, all surface Earth life, including humans, would be exposed to deadly UV and gamma-ray energies no longer blocked by the protective ozone layer. Has that happened before to our planet and caused one or more of the half-dozen extinction events that mark the life and death evolution on Earth? And if it has happened once or twice before, could we be blindsided by gamma-ray radiation hitting the Earth before we even knew it was coming? 
First, I talked with Professor Sion about his T. pixidus research. Then I called Professor Adrian Malat, Professor of Astronomy and Astrophysics at the University of Kansas in Lawrence, who does not think a Type 1a supernova at 1,000 parsecs would ever have enough gamma radiation to harm Earth. However, Dr. Malat hypothesizes that Earth's Ordovician extinctions 440 million years ago had all the earmarks of strong gamma-ray radiation, perhaps from a massive dying star more than 20 solar masses in size, that emitted a gamma-ray burst that killed mostly plankton and other near-surface life in the oceans of our planet's southern hemisphere. Here now is Professor Edward Sion from Villanova University. And a supernova explosion is a million to ten million times more powerful than a classical nova explosion. And a supernova explosion on a massive white dwarf is what we believe happens when a white dwarf is close to the Chandrasekhar limit, which is 1.4 solar masses for a white dwarf made of carbon in its core. We think that what happens is that the temperature of the white dwarf in the core keeps increasing and increasing to the point where carbon nuclei are moving so fast because of the very high temperature that they can fuse, stick together, releasing energy, and undergo thermonuclear fusion. We call it carbon burning. If carbon burning is ignited in a massive white dwarf, then a complete and total detonation will occur. The thermonuclear fusion then goes out of control and that results in the thermonuclear explosion that we know as a Type 1A supernova. And T. pixidus blows apart. Blows apart, leaving no remnant, no pulsar, for example, no pulsar remnant, no black hole remnant. There's nothing left. Why might that be lethal for surface life here? There are other investigators who claim that even at 1,000 parsecs, even at 3,326 light years, there could be an effect on Earth's atmosphere. One such source has claimed that the amount of gamma ray emission from a Type 1a supernova at one kiloparsec would be enough to have a significant effect on Earth's atmosphere. For example, destruction of the ozone layer. The ozone layer of Earth, which protects us from solar radiation. That's right. It could be something in the neighborhood of 900, 800, down to 600 parsecs, because it's possible, given the uncertainty of the parameters of Tepixidus, that our model fitting could give a solution which places it at a somewhat closer distance. And the fact that you scientists have not been able to measure anything more from Tepixidus since 1967 suggests that perhaps something is going on between that white dwarf and the sun that is tipping it to exploding and that we don't have to wait for 10 million years that it could happen any moment in Earth's timeline. If we know the white dwarf mass is 1.37 solar masses, if that's the correct mass, and that's the mass that's quoted extensively in the literature, then at its present rate of accretion, it would not tip the balance, reach the Chandrasekhar limit for 10 million years. However, there's an uncertainty inherent in the mass of the white dwarf, and the white dwarf could be slightly more massive than 1.37. So a supernova event could happen even sooner.
but it's just not clear because we don't know with 100% certainty what the mass of the white dwarf is. But it's definitely very massive. That much we can say. Because you must have a very massive white dwarf and a high rate of mass accretion via the disk, the accretion disk, in order to trigger thermonuclear explosions every 20 years. Since it has stopped these classical nova explosions, the last one being in 1967, we really are puzzled as to why this cycle of thermonuclear explosions has not continued. So it could reach the Chandrasekhar limit before 10 million years. Bottom line, T. Pixidus is out there a thousand parsecs from Earth ticking like a time bomb. That's correct. If gamma-ray radiation should strip away our ozone layer, what would the consequence be into the future? If the ozone layer is stripped away or is somehow destroyed, then lethal radiation in X-ray and ultraviolet radiation that is normally blocked by ozone would be able to penetrate down to the surface of Earth. And in doing so, that kind of high-energy radiation destroys DNA. So essentially, it, it has the potential of destroying the biosphere if that lethal radiation reaches the surface. See, for example, the planet Mars has a thin atmosphere, but it also has no ozone layer. And so very high-energy radiation from the sun reaches the surface of Mars. And in fact, during the Viking life experiments, one idea was that the reason that Mars doesn't show any sign of life on its surface is because it has no protective ozone layer. And in fact, the Viking lander experiments to search for evidence of life actually turned over a rock to get a soil sample underneath the Martian soil to see if, in order to survive, life forms would have to be protected, would have to be beneath the surface. So it's not inconceivable that if a type 1A supernova occurs close enough to Earth, that the input of gamma rays and X-rays could have a significant effect on the ozone layer. Leaving surface life vulnerable to solar radiation and X-rays. Exactly. I'm wondering, has anyone speculated about whether such a gamma-ray radiation burst could explain periodic extinctions? Yes. There is a professor at the University of Kansas, Adrian Malott, who has published extensively on this possibility in terms of gamma-ray bursts, possibly triggering the mass extinctions in the Ordovician period. Adrian Malott, Ph.D., is Professor of Physics and Astronomy at the University of Kansas in Lawrence, where he has worked since 1986 after earning his Ph.D. in Physics from the University of Texas. In 2003, Professor Malott posed the question to his astronomy colleagues, what would gamma-ray radiation from a supernova or large gamma-ray burst do to Earth? Is there any extinction event in Earth's history that might have been caused by intense gamma-ray radiation hitting Earth? Here now is Professor Malott from the University of Kansas. One of the things we realized was that most of the radiation effects would be shielded by water, and just a very short depth would be pretty good protection. And so the Ordovician extinction had this odd characteristic that basically only things that floated on top of the water or had larvae that lived in shallow water were affected by this extinction. 
so the Ordovician extinction might fit. We noticed another characteristic. This extinction was accompanied by glaciers, by an ice age that came on suddenly and went away suddenly without repeating. And that's another thing that we thought might be a side effect of such a burst. Now, why would gamma-ray radiation reaching the Earth cause an ice age? One of the things it does is uh, break the radiation breaks open chemical bonds that are normally too strong to be broken. You mean the ozone layer? This radiation can break that bond, and so now you have atomic nitrogen, and you can make all kinds of compounds that are normally present in low abundance. And one of them is nitrogen dioxide, NO2. It's a catalyst for the destruction of ozone. The other is that it's kind of brown in color. It's the thing that gives smog its sort of tea-brown color. And um, we uh, thought that there might be enough uh, shielding of radiation from the Earth reaching the Earth's surface, that it would uh, cool the climate. Hmm. So that combination of water surface life being destroyed and a sudden ice age, those are the two main ingredients for looking at the Ordovician as being caused by gamma-ray radiation reaching Earth. That's right. That was our initial motivation. How close to our solar system would that have to be in order to cause this kind of an extinction event? I believe most of the calculations we've done have been for a gamma-ray burst 2,000 parsecs away, 2 kiloparsecs. We think that's close enough that uh, could give rise to a gamma-ray burst that could damage the Earth severely. Could you explain 10 parsecs and 100 parsecs? Uh, Now, a supernova is a different thing. Only a very, very small fraction of supernovae give rise to gamma-ray bursts. But a supernova at 10 parsecs could do similar damage. Both of these things, supernovae at 10 parsecs, gamma-ray bursts at 2,000, are things that are likely to have happened once or twice maybe in the last, say, five or 600 million years, Mm -hmm. which is the length of time for which we have a decent fossil record. And that the Ordovician right now is at the top of your list as possibly having the earmarks of at least a gamma ray burst. But let me get clarification on that type 1a supernova, the white dwarf Tepixitus. What is the radiation that is given off by a type 1a supernova? They give off a wide variety of radiation, but um, they're not beamed. That's the difference. A gamma-ray burst emits more radiation and has that radiation focused in a narrow beam, which you might get hit by and do damage from a large distance. Supernova at 2,000 parsecs is, or even 1,000, there would be a bright star in the sky and uh, a small increase in cosmic rays, but nothing serious. So from 1,000 parsecs down to 100 parsecs or 10 parsecs, if there was a white dwarf type 1A supernova at 10 parsecs or 100 parsecs, what would happen? 
Well, at 10 parsecs, you'd have an extinction event comparable to what I discussed for the Ordovician extinction or gamma ray burst. At 100 parsecs, you might have, uh, you'd have an extremely bright star in the sky. Probably you'd see it in the daytime. You'd probably get some ozone layer depletion, enough to make people worry about skin cancer and so forth, but not the kind of thing that would lead to extinctions. Now, why is it that a gamma ray burst is focused in a narrow beam compared to a supernova? Well, gamma ray bursts, most of the long bursts, which are the more powerful kind, are thought to originate from very, very massive stars, like 30 solar masses, which are spinning very fast. And when they explode, there's a kind of a donut-shaped accretion disk of gas around them. And basically, nearly all the energy escapes perpendicular to the donut hole in narrow beams. The narrow beam that has to do with the dynamics of the spinning star is what produces a focus that could interact with Earth. Right, if it's pointed at us. Okay. And right now, as we enter into 2010, are there any star-like objects in our galaxy within 10 parsecs or 100 parsecs that might turn into a gamma burst or a supernova? Not that I know of. Since we're talking about light years and events that could take place right now, this very hour that we're talking, it would take a thousand or two thousand years to reach the Earth. Is there the possibility that there could be an intense gamma radiation burst that would hit the Earth that we did not know was coming? Sure. All these signals travel at the speed of light, so you don't see it till it gets here. And do we have any machinery, satellite, that is constantly monitoring for gamma ray radiation? And would we know, <laughs> would we know in time to alert? I don't know. I, that, that's the question. Not from that kind of monitoring, because you don't know it's here till it's here. The only thing you can do is you might see a star that you think is on the verge of exploding or doing something. There is a star called WR-104, which some people argued might possibly give rise to a gamma ray burst. How far from Earth? Two or 3,000 parsecs, and might be pointed at us, might not. A supernova would have to be within about 10 parsecs to do that kind of damage. A gamma ray burst could do it from much further away. I don't think there's any supernova candidate close. A gamma ray burst is harder to spot. WR-104 might give rise to one. Mm -hmm. So anything from 2,000 parsecs toward our solar system, if it's a gamma ray burst from a large spinning star, could do damage. And supernova within 10 to 100 parsecs from our solar system could do damage. Right. What do you think the chances are that a sudden burst of gamma ray radiation could be picked up by instruments headed toward our solar system and Earth from a gamma ray burst or a supernova that we were not aware of? As a supernova, I'm not worried about it at all because there's nothing close enough to hurt us. As a gamma ray burst, it could happen, but... 
it could happen so that we don't know it's coming, but such an event probably only happens on a scale of tens of millions of years. So it's incredibly unlikely. Meaning that the size of suns that would be at the end of their life and would be spinning and cause these beams of gamma ray radiation that would be close enough to hurt Earth, that it is both the distance of them and the frequency of them that keeps this from happening very often. Right, right. Do you worry about a gamma ray radiation burst destroying the ozone layer of our planet? No. I worry more about global warming. Thanks for listening to this Earth Files podcast from the edges of science, environment, and real X-Files. Go to www.earthfiles.com to see more than a thousand Earth Files reports with photographs, drawings, and documents. And visit Earth Files every day, every week, for new reports and new podcasts. That's www.earthfiles.com. Earth Files.